Good evening. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. We're broadcasting remotely from um, staff training, uh, AD meeting uh, tonight, and then staff training tomorrow in St. Joseph. Welcome. It's the 22nd of April, 2022. I apologize for not having done any more podcasts, and I am going to try to do better as I work on improving the brand. Um, and improving the content for those of you who listen. Thank you so much, by the way, for listening. I wanted to start off tonight by talking about the weekend at Bernie's presidency that we've got going on and the ramifications of that presidency. Um, We've seen it already in that the people that are controlling Biden, there's no question that he is not controlling himself, um, they have a very, very hard, precise leftist agenda that they are using. Now, of course, this agenda is is all about control, um, always has been about control. And, and, of course, the left doesn't own that. That's a left and right thing. But what we've seen over the last uh, two years, at the ending of the Trump presidency and the beginning of the Biden uh, presidency is it's all about control and the bureaucrats who were most threatened bureaucrats and the the um, deep state the bureaucracy in Washington D.C. that were terif- were uh, extremely threatened by Trump. We've learned several things about that. One, we've learned that, for example, as a result of the Durham. A special counsel investigation on what happened prior to the election and in the aftermath of the 2016 election. We've learned that the CIA knew that the Russian collusion was was garbage. But those former uh, heads of those national intelligence agencies went ahead and played their role uh, as private citizens to try to keep it going. And yet the CIA clearly knew about it. We know that this was planted by the Hillary campaign. Uh, there is a lawyer, that uh, Michael Sussman, that is indicted for that, um, that he was, lied to the FBI when he presented evidence to them. Of course, you're not hearing a lot about that. And I suspect that more is going to come not even talking about uh, the corruption that was the um, Obama-Biden administration in regards to, sorry about that, um, Hunter uh, being on the board of Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company, uh, conveniently at a time when President Biden, or Vice President, then Vice President Biden, was given um, authority to to uh, work on foreign policy with Ukraine. At the time, there was a pro-Russia, democratically elected, and this is very important to understand, because what I'm about to tell you, you're going to take me for a Putin stooge, and that's not the case at all. Putin's going to have his own place in hell, and his own place in the community, in the world community. For that, but the United States is is uh, not blameless here. 
um, there was a pro-Russian, democratically elected government in Ukraine that we assisted in getting tossed out. Now, nothing against Zelensky. He's true, true patriot. But we have to ask ourselves what favors he's doing his country as his country has continued to be shelled, as his country is continuing to have its citizens leave to other countries. And those that don't leave are fighting doorstep to doorstep. And of course, ultimately, we are all going to have to account for whatever freedoms that we have and fight for those freedoms. But this isn't really about that. The United States and Europe, of course, are pouring money into uh, weapons so that Ukraine can fight off the Russians. And there's nothing wrong with that either, although it's a lot like um, when Great Britain aided the South in the Confederate in the Civil War. Look what happened to the South, and look what's happening now to Ukraine. There will not be much of a country left, no matter how this turns out. Let's say that the South is, or the Ukraine is successful in driving Russia completely out. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Russia has a huge supply of arms. He also, Putin, has the ability to really constrict the economies of Europe simply by voluntarily turning off the faucet of oil and natural gas. The United States and other Western countries are aiding Russia in their war effort by following their Green New Deal suicide policies, which cause the cost of uh, gas and oil to explode, which benefits whom? Benefits Russia, benefits Iran, benefits OPEC, benefits Venezuela. And of course, it benefits other producers too, but th these are all people that are, are do not have the United States' best interests in heart. And I would include the Biden administration in that. China is building coal factory after coal factory, and I guarantee you that their factories and that their production of coal and the burning of coal has, has, is nothing clean compared to ours. Burning natural gas, natural gas is one of the cleanest fuels there is. Yes, there is a carbon footprint on that, but not nearly what it is with, with coal and other things, and yet we're shutting that off in this country as well. So we're, we, the, President Biden yesterday announced this huge aid package. He's going to send all these weapons to Ukraine, and good. Helping them to fight is good, to a certain extent. Again, what is the end goal here? Because what's going to happen? One, we're causing the military complex here in the United States to, to have to gin up the war machine to, to produce weapons to replace those that we're sending. And there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, except for this. Ukraine, no matter what they win, again, is a big loser in this war. Their infrastructure is destroyed. Their crops are going to be non-existence this year, which means 
that food around the world is going to skyrocket. Not only because the actual food produced itself, but because of fertilizer uh, and other byproducts as well. Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, and that breadbasket's closed. We're prolonging the ability of the Ukrainians to fight. Again, fighting may be a worthy cause, but again, at what cost? Because we are denying Putin the ability to have this clean victory, which is not a bad thing in and of itself, one must ask, at what cost to the millions of Ukrainians that are homeless, at what cost to the thousands of Ukrainians that are dead, at what cost to the refugees flooding into adjoining nations, at what cost billions and billions of dollars in infrastructure completely destroyed. All this destruction, by the way, is happening in Ukraine. There's, you know, Russia, all they're doing is expending weapons and lives. When this is over, they're going to go back into Russia and maybe hold part of what Ukraine has. And so the question is, at what cost is holding certain provinces or whatever they're called of Ukraine? I'm not sure about that cost. And I'm while it's a very patriotic moment for Ukraine, I'm not sure that they've weighed that cost either in the long run. My guess is that they're going to expect that people are going to come in and not, just like they're now flooding them with weapons, will flood them with aid to rebuild. Here's the problem. Infrastructure packages and packages to, for COVID and such have caused inflation in the United States and probably around the world to skyrocket. We're still not seeing the true effects of this. We're showing 8.5% in the consumer price index. But the producer price index, the cost of wholesale goods, is over, over 11% which means that at some point inflation is going to be up there as well. Now, the Fed signal they're going to be raising interest rates again. Who does that hurt most? That hurts most those who are buying houses. That hurts most who are getting credit or who have credit card debt as those interest rates increase. There's no thought given whatsoever to the reduction of government spending. And we're going to talk about that after the break. So we'll be right back. And here we are back at the Lib. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as we are working on our branding, you've seen the logo. We're working on the copyright for that. Um, perhaps some merchandise as well down the line. Um, in the meantime, I wanted to get back to talking about inflation. The Biden administration has tried to pawn this off on everybody but themselves. As yet, we have not replaced 
you know, we've talked about how many jobs have been created under Biden, and that's that's good. These things are not, by the way, actually created jobs. These are jobs that were lost because the government shut down so much of the private sector during COVID. And as yet, there's still about a million jobs less than there was before. Here's the problem with inflation is while while we are seeing increases in wages, those increases are only about 5%, 55 6%. Again, inflation is 8.5%, and that's not really an accurate picture. It's higher than that. So people are losing ground. Inflation, uh, which the president, President Biden, says is not a result of ridiculously high government spending, which it is. Inflation is a tax on the American people. Just like you, when you tax a business, they increase the cost. Inflation is increasing the cost of people to just live. Increase the cost of people to be able to get to work. Increases the cost of them to be able to eat. They're choosing, having to choose between, between uh, uh, what their priorities are. Now, the Lib has, has maintained forever and a day, even before there was the Snake River Lib, that inflation had to show itself. But we've never seen spending like we saw the last two years. And here's the thing, and this is something that the Republican Party, if they were smart, would hold to uh, put in ads and such, is that Biden's Build Back Better plan would have added over $2 trillion in spending spending which the government did not have, and so they'd have to print money. To the budget. So because of that, because Build Back Better collapsed, a streamlined bill just to get the spending through the year was passed. Still too high, but not nearly the kind of spending that was projected by, by the uh, Biden's plan. By the way, have you seen and heard President Biden speak? He was asked a question about Title 42, and he got confused between Title 42 and the mask mandate. I don't know how he got confused there, but he did. And started talking about how they're going to appeal the decision on Title 42 when there was no decision. Now, here's the thing. You know, and and uh, um, the name escapes me. And like I said, I'm not at my desktop, so I'm limited on my ability to go look things up. I mean, I could look it up, but it doesn't matter. The Secretary of uh, Homeland Security, whose job it is to secure the border, felt like things like remain in Mexico and forcing people to get permission to come into this country before they did um, was cruel and unusual. Now, here's what's cruel and unusual, Mr. Secretary and Mr. Biden, is that the cartels run the border. The cartels are bringing people, or they're, they are shuffling people there, and no doubt through these charities, which are doing tremendous work, but it's wrong-headed. 
These people are brought to the border. The cartels decide who crosses. Now, remember, all these people, the girls, girls that are not even teenagers, are given birth control by their mothers before they go on this journey because they know they're going to be raped repeatedly by these, by these ambassadors to the United States, meaning the cartels. People are placed where they can cross, and the Border Patrol will pick them up. That's the intent, is that they get picked up, they, they get a, a, a number, a free Obama phone, I mean a Biden phone, so that they can report in when they get to their new location. And that's it. Meanwhile, while the Border Patrol and ICE officials are overwhelmed by trying to deal with those people that are intentionally put across the border that they're going to pick up, drugs, human trafficking, and criminal elements are coming across the border elsewhere where there's simply no way to guard for them. Remain in Mexico was not cruel, was not inhumane. What it did is it forced people to decide how much worth was it. Was your country really that bad? I have a, a friend who lives in Guatemala, and he seems to be just fine, and yet Guatemala is one of those countries, you know, that, that people are, are refugees from or claiming asylum from. I would think that a gringo in Guatemala would probably be in more danger than Guatemalan citizens who have the money to pay these coyotes to take them up uh, to the American border. You know, Donald Trump has come out, and he's, I just heard a piece on Hannity today. It was a recording. It was not today. I'm not sure when. Uh, but he was t still, he's harping on the election thing. Now, believe me, there's plenty of things to harp about. In fact, there was a report just re released yesterday uh, that there may be as many as 300,000 ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, that are unverified, that the ability to verify them is missing. This is not voter fraud where people are, are, are you know, where the dead's voting. This is done on the county level by county employees mail-in ballots, etc. You know, the Carter Commission after, uh, Carter-Baker Commission after 2001 and the election debacle that that was, which was rightly decided, but put that aside for a moment. The commission talked about the greatest amount of fraud was likely to be in the mail-in ballots. There are several key states that, that did not go for Trump, that went for Trump in 2016, that there were certainly irregularities on the state level, if not the local level. I had mentioned a study that is done, but done by John Lott. You can look at one of the earlier podcasts, has a link to that, that found that the counties where fraud was alleged, again, not by people send, you know, sending in ballots, but on the government level. The Democrat turnout was significantly higher 
than in counties where there was no fraud alleged. And John Lott went and did a study and he compared counties like counties and he said the percentages would indicate that there's a problem. And then you add this in where you have votes that were not verified um, because, this, because the system, not um, anything else, and you have an election. But just like we should never be looking backwards except for to learn from the ash heap of history, you know, to discard that which, which um, is, is uh, dross and refuse, refuse and move forward with what you've learned. Need to stop harping on the 2020 election. Need to move forward. Kevin McCarthy has some answering to do. He's released some tapes today where he indicated that after the uh, January 5th, January 6th the debacle that he was all for Trump being impeached and convicted and resigned, and Mitch McConnell's the same way. Now, remind, remember, these two people, McCarthy wants to be the Speaker of the House. Mitch McConnell is hoping to be Senate Majority Leader come this November. These two people are intimate swamp dwellers, and they hated Trump. And so they need to answer for their comments then, and McCarthy in particular sucking up to Trump now. Just like Trump needs to answer for a few things. You know, we would have all been much better off had we listened to Ann Coulter as she documented a daily uh, track of how much wall, new wall, was being built. You know, because that's what won Trump the election in 2016. We should have been paying more attention to that because, as you recall, and we've highlighted on this program, you know, right after Trump was inaugurated, one of the first things that he did was he tried to cut a deal with Democrats, money for the wall, and amnesty, essentially, for the people, for the illegals that are here. Again, something's going to have to be done if we can shut off the border. But we're not even attempting to shut off the border. And the Biden's administration, just like they are wanting to kill off the one thing that would really defeat Putin, which is the energy might of the United States, he doesn't want to do anything about the border either. I think we're going to call it that. I think that there is so much coming on the Hunter laptop. I mean, we're talking about things that Donald Trump, had Donald Trump been accused of what looks like actually went down with Hunter and with his father, then VP and then now president, Donald Trump would be in jail. I did want to mention one more thing. Uh, today, Governor uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida signed the law, signed into law um, a bill 
essentially taking Disney's city-state power away from it. Where Disney had the right within its area to do what it would. This is a direct result of Disney trying to get in on a bill that had nothing to do with what the opponents of the bill said it was being passed in the law. Disney broke the covenant by going after the government, which is currently governed by Republicans. And the way it looks, Ron DeSantis is going to be cruising for re-election before he decides whether or not to run for president. But now Disney's going to have to negotiate regarding tax status, regarding permits, regarding everything. They no longer have their fiefdom. Well, in a year, they'll no longer have it. Had this been a corporation, an oil company, for example, that had this kind of deal in any other state, Progressives would have been all over demanding the revocation of that status. But now they are bemoaning status of essentially the largest media giant in the world. Look at the properties that Disney owns. And now Disney is going to have to work with Florida. They should have before they should have reached out to the governor to see if they could negotiate something before he signed the bill. But they didn't think that this would ever happen. Will Disney move out of Florida? That's a pretty tough call because most states that have the kind of weather that would make a, an attraction such as Disney World possible are controlled by Republicans. Plus, they'd have to just essentially leave all that infrastructure. Would it be devastating to the economy of Florida? Probably. But I'll bet they could find somebody else to come in. They already have several properties there adjoining in Orlando area. Universal Studios, etc. Anyway, this is Lib, and this is something that we should all take heed to. And remember the slogan, mind your business. That was the first uh, motto that was on U.S. minted coins. It's something that we should remember now. Thank you, and have a good night.